0: Good morning, that was a little little lackluster, are we with me? Good morning, that's better, we're gonna be in Jeremiah 29, so you can turn there with me and we'll jump in in a minute. Jeremiah 29, and we're going to be, uh, we'll start in verse seven. We'll look at some verses following that, but turn there with me in your Bibles. You can follow along whether you're joining us online or here in person. Uh, we're going to dig in. We've spent the last three weeks talking about, uh, some messages from the heart of two pastors. And I want to thank Dr. Miller for the last two weeks as he's, uh, given us some challenging (laughs) but good uh, messages from God's word. And uh, I know they were very challenging for me. Uh, very, a lot of things to go home and think about, pray on and ask the Lord for his help with. I'm sure there was for you as well. So we're gonna continue on in that this morning as we think about the future of our church. And, and this won't be a sermon all about us. Uh, this will be a sermon about Jesus. So the future of our church is wrapped up and what he has already done, what he is doing, and what he will do. So that's where the future of our church goes. And Jeremiah, one of the wonderful things that I love about this passage of Scripture is, Jeremiah was writing to, and and this particular chapter is an exchange of letters between Jerusalem and Babylon, and Jeremiah's in Jerusalem, and there's many exiles scattered in Babylon, and he's writing back and forth trying to encourage them and keep them on track. And one of the things I love about it is he's writing to people in exile— as they look forward to eventually getting to their home that God's promised them. And we find ourselves in the same situation. We are here in this world, but this is not our home. It's not our eternal home. It's not the home that Jesus purchased for us. It's not the one that God has gone before and provided a place and prepared rooms for us. That's not here. It's much like the people of Israel that Jeremiah is writing to. We have a home to look forward to. And that's where our future is. Because if we keep our eyes fixed on what the future holds, the present can have a specific meaning. It can have a very real meaning. Because it's very easy to look at the present and either get disenchanted, to get discouraged, to throw things to the wayside and just think, I have no idea where this is going and I don't even know how to find hope today. But instead, Like Jeremiah reminds the people here, if we keep our eyes fixed on what God is taking us towards and what he has purchased for us and what he has secured for us and what he's promised for us, if we keep our eyes fixed on that, the present can have a lot of meaning. It can have a very abundant meaning. We can live life in this world abundantly, not just wait for the next. We can live life here abundantly. Jeremiah 29.7. We've been talking about the church the last three weeks. we talked about unity in the church. We've talked about uh, the last couple of weeks, the pastor and the congregation. And now we're going to talk about the future of the church. And as we've been going through this, a quote that I heard from uh, Billy Graham came to my mind, and, and it's an older quote. And you may have heard it, but we we often think of the church and we we want to be part of the perfect church. Anybody here want to be part of the perfect church? All right, we want to be part of the perfect church. Reverend Billy Graham says this, if you find the perfect church, don't join it. You'll ruin it. If you find the perfect church, don't join it. You'll ruin it. The reality is this, there is no perfect church. There's only a perfect savior. If we realize that, the church can then be exactly who God has called it and created it to be. A group of sinners, saved by grace, walking through this world together with forgiveness and caring and grace for each other, exhibiting the fruits of the Holy Spirit so that the world knows that we have a perfect Savior, not a perfect church, that we have a perfect Savior. As we look today and talk about the future of the church, I want to start with this statement for us. The future of the church has never been brighter than it is today. The future of the church has never been brighter than it is today. And it will be brighter yet tomorrow. The future of the church has never been brighter than it is today. And it will be brighter yet tomorrow. Why? Because the closer you go to the light of the world, every day moving forward towards him, the brighter it gets. Don't be discouraged by what you see going on around you. Don't be discouraged by the chaos or the COVID, or anything else, because Christ is the light of the world. So our future is always getting brighter, always, because we're always getting closer to the time where we'll be with him. So the future of church has never been brighter than it is today, and it will be brighter yet tomorrow. Why? Because our king is alive, he has risen from the dead, and he's sitting on his throne in heaven. That's what the people needed to be reminded of when Jeremiah writes this letter, It's what we need to be reminded of today, and it won't change. We can keep reminding ourselves of this truth. Let's read some verses, and then we'll dig in together. Jeremiah 29, I'm going to start in verse 7. We're going to read all the way down through the first part of verse 14. says this, verse 7, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets or your diviners who are among you deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. Verse 10, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. See, Jeremiah is writing to a people who were very discouraged. It had looked like the nation of Israel had fallen apart. It had looked like there was no future in hope. And Jeremiah was confronting the fact that there were people amongst them, even people being called prophets and diviners that were telling them things that were not true. They were not accurate with God's word. They were not accurate with following the future of what God had already promised them. And Jeremiah needed to take this opportunity to remind them the God who promised you is still the God who will fulfill it. No matter what it looks like around you, these people had been taken from their homes. they had been sent to Babylon, they had been dispersed there. And what was happening was there was people amongst them telling them, "Hey, it's going to get better really quick." And Jeremiah was saying, "It's not going to get better really quick, but it is going to get better. So the end is what God has promised. In the meantime, things are going to be difficult, is what Jeremiah is telling them, but he reminds them of some very specific promises. Let's walk our way through them. The problem that Jeremiah is confronting is the fact that there had been those amongst the people of God who were telling them things that God had not actually truly said, and were giving them false hope and a false promise of the current situation that they were in and they weren't directing them to the eternal future situation that God had purchased for them. I do feel like this is something that we deal with today. See, the problem is if we fix our hope in our future on something that's earthly and temporary, we will inevitably be let down, no matter what it is. If we fix our hope in a future on the God who never changes and always fulfills his promises, will never be let down, no matter what comes between now and the full fulfillment. But Jeremiah needed to remind them, and this is thousands of years ago, and today we need to be reminded again. We need to find our hope and our comfort in the one thing that never changes. How does God prescribe for them to do that? He says some very specific things in verse 7. So look in verse 7 with me. He says, if you want... To feel secure and you want to see good in your midst, do this. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Seek the welfare. And that word welfare is literally the Hebrew word shalom. It means peace and plenty. So seek the peace of the city where I've sent you and seek that they would also have plenty and have enough. One of the interesting, probably the most interesting words in this verse is the word I. Who sent them to Babylon? It wasn't the king who had come in and conquered and scattered the Israelites. He didn't send them there. It wasn't some mishap. It wasn't life circumstances that sent them there. God says, I sent you there. Even though it's not necessarily ideally the place that you wanted to be, I sent you there. So while you're there, just remember that I sent you and remember that I have purpose for it. And that's a hard struggle, I think, for many of us in today's world. We live in a world that's so divided that everything we don't like, we vilify and we remove ourselves from. And God doesn't tell us to necessarily do that. He tells us to step into it with the light. Step in. Be there. And just in case, amen. That's good. And just in case they were distracted about why they were there and who sent them there, Jesus says, God says through Jeremiah, I sent you. I sent you to Babylon. If you're feeling the weight of the chaos that's going on around us in our world, even in our country, and you're asking yourself, why am I here? How did I even get here? What am I supposed to do while I'm here? God gives us a very clear word. He says, I sent you. Every place where you go, I sent you. Therefore, seek the good of everywhere you are. The city you're in, seek its shalom, its peace and its plenty. And after we've seeked, seek the welfare of the city we're in that he sent us to, second half of verse seven says, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. In its shalom, the shalom of the city where I have sent you, when that place finds peace, you will also find peace. This is the work of those who follow God, who brings shalom to the world. It's our job to seek the peace and plenty of the place where God has sent us not to hunker down in a bunker and wait for heaven. I'm sorry, but that's one of the things that I think Jeremiah is telling them. The people in Israel had removed themselves. They weren't building houses. They weren't putting down roots. They weren't, because they thought, well, really quick, I'm gonna be out of here anyway. So why do anything that actually has some permanency or that could benefit the people around me? I'm not gonna be here long. Jeremiah says, no, you're gonna be there a bit. And God sent you there. So build houses, get jobs, seek the good of where I've sent you. Verse 8, for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets or diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. I, I don't have enough time for that particular quote. But I think if we take a step back and realize There are plenty of people today that are saying things and are spinning people up and are sharing dreams or thoughts or or theories that are entrapping God's people into being distracted from what God has actually said we're supposed to be doing. Amen. Don't get caught up in that. God's put us here, and everywhere that He's put Christians, He has put us here for a very specific reason. Don't get distracted. Don't get disenchanted. Don't give up. Don't just wait for heaven. I'm not saying don't wait for heaven. Go ahead and wait for heaven, but don't just wait for heaven. There's an old saying, and I I don't know who originally kind of coined it, but when I was a child in this church, actually when I was young, I used to hear it all the time. Don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Okay? And that's, I think, what Jeremiah is telling them. Hey, you're just waiting for what you know God's going to do someday. And in the meantime, you're doing nothing right now. Don't live like that. Put down roots, seek the good of where I've sent you. Verse nine, he refers to these people who are spreading these theories and dreams and things that are distracting God's people. And he says, it's a lie that they're prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. The Lord is making it clear. Our good is tied to the good of the place where God has put us. So what are we to do? We are to pray and we are to discern. That's what God has given us his Holy Spirit for. We are to pray and we are to discern. It's okay for you to hear something that sounds like it might be from God and to go to your Bible and look for it and pray, and ask the Lord to discern it, and then be able to say, no, that's actually not from the Lord, even though it's plausible, right? Colossians talks about these plausible realities that sound really close to being what God said, but it's not actually what God said. We need to pray, and we need to discern. Is that from the Lord? Because the clarity from the Lord was this for God's people in this day. It was Seek the good of the city you're in. Don't just step back and remove yourself and wait for the time when we leave. But that's part of our deal, right? We have our citizenship in heaven. God doesn't want us to just step back and wait until we get there. He wants us to engage now. He wants us to seek the good of every place where we are so that heaven is more full of the people we're with now. Seek the welfare, the shalom, the peace. Pray and discern. That's how you seek the peace and plenty of the city where God has put you. Let's continue on. Verse 10. He says, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years were completed for Babylon, I will visit you, I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Jeremiah is saying, yes, God will fulfill his promise of bringing you back. It's just not going to be tomorrow. It's going to be a little bit. So here's what you need to do in the meantime. Chapter, or verse 11 reminds us of this truth. This is a well-known verse. You probably know it. You've probably memorized it. Uh, you might even have it on a plaque or in a frame on your wall somewhere, in your house or in your office. This is a very well-known verse, but man, is it deep. Verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Because there's often days where I step back and say, I don't know what the future is going to look like. If I'm honest, that's every day. None of us knows. And in those days, when I actually ask myself those questions, I'm reminded that God knows even when we don't. Pastor John Piper has a saying that I love, and I've repeated it. You may have heard me say it already. It's this. God is constantly doing 10,000 things in your life, three of which you might be aware of. Okay, God is constantly doing 10,000 things in your life, three of which you might be aware of. You have no idea what God is up to, and neither do I. I ask myself this all the time. Lord, why did that happen? That doesn't seem to add up with where I thought we were going. And the answer is, he knows the plans he has for us, even if we don't. He knows that there are plans for a future and a hope, even if that gets shady or clouded to us. He always knows. His plans are three things in this verse his plans are for good, his plans bring a future. And his plans are about hope. Good, future, and hope. That's what God's plans are wrapped up in. His plans are good. He always does what is good, right, and perfect. If you need a sentence to remember, remember that one. God always does what is good, right, and perfect. Always. And that's what he wants us to remember. Secondly, his plans bring a future. No matter how things look, our future is exceedingly bright. Exceedingly bright. Doesn't matter what it looks like, the world around us has fallen apart. Doesn't matter what kind of barriers we're bumping up against, what kind of limitations, maybe physically or emotionally or spiritually or mentally, none of that controls what the future looks like. God controls what the future looks like and it's exceedingly bright for us as a church and for the people of God. The future is exceedingly bright. And thirdly, his plans are full of hope. Be resolute not to fix your hope on anything else. Anything. The larger amount of hope that you put in something else The greater disappointment you will be able to be open to. Don't put your hope in other things. Don't put your hope in a vaccine. I mean, thank God that God's given very smart people that can help us and get some of us better, but don't put your hope in that. It's not where your hope belongs. Don't put your hope in elected officials. Now pray for your elected officials. And pray that God would use them and that He would have our good in mind through them, but don't put your hope in them. Don't put your hope in our, your financial security. That is an ever changing target that is not worthy of your hope. Don't put your hope in a spouse. Now, love your spouse. Be thankful for your spouse. Be grateful for your spouse. I know I am. But they can't hold your hope. They're they're a broken individual just like you are. You can't hold their hope either. Don't put your hope in anything other than the God who brings real hope to the world. Lastly, a couple verses. Look at verse 12 with me. There's a formula here for how to know that God holds the future securely and how we can rest in the future he has for us. See if you can pick out the formula as we read. Verse 12. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. In the last 10, 11 months, anybody ask, man, I wonder where God is. I won't ask you to raise your hand because I wouldn't want to entrap you into not being truthful. But we have all asked that question at some point in our life. Where is God in this? What is he doing? How do I get through this? How do I keep my eyes fixed on what I need to? The reality is this. God's given us a formula that can actually hold us through anything. Here it is. Four specific things. Call upon him. Pray. To him, seek him, and then you will find him. Call, pray, seek, and find. That's the formula for keeping our eyes fixed on the future hope that God gives gives us that is exceedingly bright no matter what's going on around us. How do we encourage others around us? Many of us are looking and wondering what God could possibly be doing right now. Doing it in our world, doing it in our own lives, in the midst of chaos and COVID and all this other stuff, what is God doing? Well, where do you find your answer? Where are you looking for answers? Are you looking to Him? Are you just simply going to God's Word and saying, God's actually told me how to find answers? Call on Him, call out to Him, pray to Him, seek Him. He promises that you'll find him. You won't find him on the news. He's not there. He doesn't have a job reporting the news on any of the networks you watch. You won't find him in the latest Department of Health briefing. Because I know right now most of us are waking up every day and reading that. But you won't find God there. I mean, you certainly won't find him on social media. (laughs) Now, you'll find some people that love him and follow him on social media, but man, it's hard to find most in there. You won't find him in your own personal security that you can control, whether that's financially or status or anything else. You won't find him if you look in the wrong place. You've got to look in the right place And he tells us exactly how to do it. Call upon the Lord. When's the last time you just stopped and called upon the Lord? When when there's so many things swirling around us that are getting us so worked up in so many ways that are distracting us from who he is and what he's doing, do you take time and just actually stop, stop, stop tweeting, stop watching, stop reading, just stop and call on the Lord? Call out to him. Pray to him. One of the most neglected disciplines in the world is prayer. We got to use it. It's our greatest weapon. Do you pray? How often do you pray? What do you pray for? Do you pray for stuff that you shouldn't be fixing your hope in? Don't do that. Pray for the glory of God to be revealed. Pray for him to use you in the midst of everything going on around us. Pray prayers that God calls us to pray, and then you'll see him work. The problem is I think so often we're not even looking in the right place or we're looking to the wrong things. We look to him. We look to him to do exactly what he said he's going to do, and then when he does it, you know it was him, and you know that it's good and right and perfect. The future of the church has never been brighter than it is today. And it will be even brighter tomorrow. Because the closer you move to the glory of God, the brighter everything gets. I want to encourage you, even as we take some time, and next week is our annual celebration Sunday, and we'll spend some time in our service celebrating some of the things God is doing. Don't get distracted that just because things look different in the past year, that God wasn't at work. Oh, he was at work. He was at work all around us. Remember that quote. God is constantly doing 10,000 things in your life, three of which you might be aware of. So just because you don't know what the other ones are, don't think he's not working. He's always working. We'll get to celebrate some of that next week. My prayer is that it's an encouragement to us as we celebrate it, and then as we look forward to where God's taking us. The future is bright for the people of God. It was bright when they were in captivity in Babylon and in exile. It's bright now for us, no matter what's going on or in the world around us. It's always bright because he holds it and he has a future and a hope for us. So let me ask us three questions before we close this morning. One, how do we live in light of these truths? All three of these questions revert back to that. How do we live in light of the truth we've just heard and looked at? First, ask yourself honestly... Is your picture of God a reflection of the God of the Bible? Is your picture of God, your view of God, your desire for God, is it the God of the Bible? Do they match? Where they don't, repent and turn away and turn back to him. Where they do, trust him. Trust that he will do what he has said he will do. So the first question, ask yourself honestly, if your picture of God is a reflection of the God of the Bible, or is it wrapped up and distracted in other things? Second question. How do we live as people that have a hope and a future that's been secured by the God of the universe? How do we live as people that have a hope and a future that's been secured by the God of the universe? How do you live? How do you live today? What does that look like? Right? And it goes down to all the nitty gritty stuff, right? Right? Some of you are sports fans. There's football games this afternoon. If your team loses, how do you live in light of that, knowing that God has a hope and a future for you? Because football actually is kind of insignificant, but um, I struggle with that. That's, I'm preaching to myself with that one, okay? But the reality is this. No matter what kind of disappointment, sports are minor, there's bigger ones in our lives. No matter what happens, how do we live as people that have a future and a hope? And remember that all the time, no matter what comes up against us. Lastly, how do we live as sent ones, as missionaries? And we've said this already, too, and we're going to keep saying it. Every follower of Jesus is a missionary. Every single one of us. God's called us to lots of different things and lots of different people, and he's chosen to route our paychecks through lots of different sources. But that is all God. Let's be clear about that. And we are all missionaries. So how do we live as sent ones, as missionaries? Understanding that we are sent into this world as exiles until the Lord calls us home or comes again. We're exiles, just like the nation of Israel, with a future and a hope that he's secured. Remember that we live not for this world, but for the one to come. Because that will guide everything you do, what kind of decisions you make, and what kind of things you fix your eyes on, and what kind of things you give your hope to. If you remember that we live for the future world, not just for this one. So my prayer this morning and and going forward is this, that God would see fit to give us a vision of a future and a hope that he has purchased and he holds secure for us. That we would wake up every day knowing we can seek the good of the place he has sent us because of what he has done and is doing in our lives and what he holds for us for the future. It's not a future here in this world. It is a future that actually is way better than anything we could dream of here. So let's keep our eyes fixed on that. That will give us the hope we, have, we need to go through each and every day, no matter what happens around us, and trust the God who always fulfills his promises. Let's pray together.